Choir's going to get up here and we're going to get started. And uh, isn't it great to be in God's house this morning? That's kind of good. Yeah. We still got people coming into service, so you guys, they come on in. We've got plenty of room. What's the first one? I don't know what you Oh. Get the choir up here. Do you want to be in the middle? Yes, I do. So is Nick here? No, not. So you be. So should we scooch over a little? So there's yeah. yeah. times here. Yeah, we're going to get going this morning. Look in your praise book. In your praise book, number 19. Number 19 in your praise book. We're going to stand to our feet. We're going to celebrate Jesus this morning. On the count of three, say hallelujah. Ready? One, two, three. Hallelujah. Yeah. I don't know what you came to do. But I came to praise the Lord. That's right. In your praise book number 19, you'll find I don't know what you came to do. Oh, man. 
that again. Good morning. Give the Lord a hand. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. That's better. That's better. Hey, we have some visitors and guests. We want to welcome you and glad you're here. And He's risen. He's alive. Amen. Yeah. yeah. Happy yeah. Easter to you people. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for your grace, your mercy, your love, your kindness. Please just uh, receive our worship and our blessing, Lord. And Father, we just pray that you will bless today in a special way for each one of us. We promise to give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, you can have a seat for just a minute, and then I'll have you stand right back up. <laughs> if you got a bulletin, you'll notice a um, couple things. Number one, there's a song sheet in it. Pastor BK. At the end of the service. That'll be at the end of the service, right? Hey, Wednesday evenings, if you are available at 6 o'clock, we have a fabulous um, potluck dinner. And then at 6.45, we study the Bible, and we are currently in the book of Revelation. And we're um, also looking at the book of Daniel because what Daniel is to the Old Testament, Revelation is to the New Testament. So come and, uh, and have dinner with us. and. And just enjoy uh, the Bible study and the fellowship. The women's are having a Bible study May 7th and 14th at 10 o'clock in the fellowship room. And their, their Bible study is the secret of contentment. Okay, The men also have a Bible study. And they are in the Gospel of Luke. Yes. The last chapter coming up. The last chapter of Luke. <laughs> They're going to move into the Acts of the Apostles. That's awesome. So, yeah, perfect. We're going to be studying out of Luke today, so that'll be good. Um, so they meet at 9 o'clock, and they're meeting April 23rd, and then they provide snacks and coffee, too. If you have any prayer requests, you can contact Flo Downing. Her number's in the bulletin here. Uh, Thursday mornings, the Takeoff Pounds Sensibly people meet at 8.30, and that's in the... Uh, in the uh, fellowship room. May 15th, we'll have a, a, our general church meeting. It's once a year, and uh, we'd uh, invite all of you who are members to stay for that. There's a place on the back to take notes if you feel so inclined, and um, we'll continue on. And go ahead and remain seated if you, if you, if you want to. We're going to look in your hymnal 358. In your hymnal 358, you'll find Because He Lives. Let's just share this one together this morning. Thank you. 
147. 147, you'll find how great thou art.
Lord, help us to show that we do love you. You've said in your word, Lord God, that our love is proven by our obedience. So help us to obey you, Lord. Help us to be the kind of people you want us to be. Father, we dedicate this service to you through our Savior, Jesus Christ, by means of your Holy Spirit. And Lord God, I pray that you'll bless the fellowship, that you'll bless the singing, that you'll bless the teaching, the teachers and the students. And we promise to give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. come forward. Wasn't that music pretty? Kind of puts you in the mood for Easter. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we have a lot to be thankful uh, for, that's for sure. So, Father in heaven, we do want to thank you. Thank you, first of all, Lord, for sacrificing yourself in your son, Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, thank you for everything that you've done for us, everything that you will do. We praise your name. Thank you, Father, for being so generous to us, Lord. And we just pray that we can share this generosity with others. We pray that you'll bless this offering. We pray that uh, you'll be glorified by it and that this community will be edified by it. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.
this morning, so I'm going to ask uh, Lenora to come on up, and Paulette is going to come up and sing, and so is Vanita. Here they come. We're going to get set up for them. Thank you. 
That was beautiful. Yeah, that was that was really pretty. The word of God is quick and is powerful. It uh, divides to the the bones and the joints and the marrow. It will last forever, the Lord says. Thank you, John. It's all right. No, no worries. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we come before you this morning just wanting to praise you, just wanting to learn about you. We claim the promises, Lord, in Romans that says that faith comes by the hearing of your word. And Lord God, we just pray that each one of us will have more faith as uh, we leave this place today. We also want to thank you, Father, for your plan of grace. Grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. We thank you for that, Lord. We pray, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit will be poured out all in every, on every person on the face of this earth today, Lord, that they might come to see you, Lord, the believers, the born-again ones, your Jewish people around the world, as well as the unbelievers, Father. We pray that you'll be glorified, Lord, and that you'll bless this word in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, uh, the kids can be released for Sunday school. They already left. <laughs> oh, that's funny. All right. Well, let me um, let me get my act together here, and we're going to. Uh, all right, First Corinthians chapter. I left my Bible at church Wednesday. And you know how in your Bible, if you're familiar with your Bible, you know where certain things are in your Bible. You know if it's on the right side of the page or the left side of the page. So it was kind of um, awesome because I studied out of one of my dad's Bibles. Yeah, yeah, my dad was uh, a Catholic, died a Catholic, but he was born again. And uh, so I, I uh, looked in my library and found a Thompson chain uh, Bible that was uh, has his name on it, so it was kind of a kind of a a fun tribute for me to him to be able to study out of his Bible. But today I'm discombobulated, so uh, you'll just have to bear with me. All right. Hey, in First uh, Corinthians chapter 15, you can turn there if you want to. I won't be here very long. It says this: Paul is writing, and he says, "Now, brothers," so he's writing to Christian people, isn't he? Now, brothers, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you have received and on which you take your stand. By this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. Paul now tells us exactly what the gospel is. 
It can't get any simpler than this. He says, for what I received, what Paul learned, what he received, I passed on to you as of first importance. Now, when an apostle tells us that something is of first importance, probably should be underlined in your Bible, probably should be highlighted, okay? He says this, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve, after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep or died. Then he appeared to James, then to all of the apostles, and last of all, Paul says, he appeared to me as one abnormally born. So if this were a court case, okay, if there was a court case that was trying the resurrection of Jesus Christ, whether it be true or not, and there were over 500 witnesses that were brought forward, there's no question that the court case would be settled in favor of the resurrection. And that's what we have here. We have over 500 witnesses that saw Jesus Christ raised from the dead. He's alive. He was dead. He's alive. Let me go on. So last week, if you were here for Palm Sunday, what we did is we we tried to think about and we tried to get into the mindset that Jesus Christ had. In Luke chapter 9, verse 51, we, said, we saw that the time was growing short and that Jesus resolutely set his face toward Jerusalem. What that means is that he made up his mind he was going to Jerusalem no matter what. Now, did he know what was going to happen in Jerusalem? Yeah, he did. He did. He knew that he would be greeted very uh, royally, if you will, uh, when they laid the palms down and he rode in on the, the, the colt. He knew that the Roman officials would be watching from their towers as to what was happening. He knew that the Jewish people, the Jewish priests and religious leaders would be watching. He knew that he was going to eventually die in Jerusalem. What do you think his mindset was going into Jerusalem? What would be your mindset going into a place where you knew for a fact that you were going to be tortured and that you were going to be killed. In Luke chapter 18, you don't have to turn there, but in verses 31 through um, 33, here's what Jesus says to his disciples. I'm in Luke chapter 18. I'm just going to read this one verse to you. Listen to what he says. Jesus took the 12 aside. Now remember something. He had already resolutely set his face to go, didn't he? He was going. Nothing was going to change his mind. So he took his 12 disciples aside and he told them, we are going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. 
he will be handed over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. And on the third day, he will rise again from the dead. You know, if you think about it, Jesus Christ was approximately 33 years old here. And what did he do to deserve such treatment? You know, everything in his life had been about good. He had been born, he had been raised as a young toddler, he had grown up as a young boy, he reached young adulthood. He had been obedient to his parents. He had never sinned one time. He didn't know what sin was like other than looking at other people and seeing their sin. Was he worthy of death? No, obviously he was not. But Jesus prayed in John chapter 17, verse 1, and he told his father, he says, the time has come. He prayed in John chapter 17, verse 4, and I quote, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. If we were to wish one statement that we could say to Jesus Christ when we get to heaven, I think it would be this statement. I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Right? <coughs> Jesus rides into Jerusalem. He knows what's happening. In his mind, he's, he may have been thinking about the prophecy in Daniel chapter 9 where Daniel prophesies that when the Savior comes, he will do seven different things. He will finish the rebellion of Israel. He will seal up sin. He will atone for wickedness. He will bring in everlasting righteousness. He will fulfill all prophecy and he will fulfill the law. And not only that, but he will be qualified to be anointed King of Kings and Lord of Lords. You see, the first coming of Jesus Christ put all that into motion. In Matthew 26, and you're welcome to turn there if you want. I'll be there for just a few minutes. Matthew chapter 26. It says this in verse 17. Jesus went up to an upper room, it says. Now Jesus is about two days, less than two days away from being killed. So he goes up into the upper room and he has dinner with his disciples. And he tells them, he says, this, is the, this bread represents my body and this wine represents my blood. And he says, this will be the last dinner that I eat with you. He also tells his 12 disciples that one of them is going to betray him. One of them is going to turn their back on Jesus Christ. Go to the officials and tell the officials where he's going to be and when he's going to be there. After this, what happens in Matthew chapter 26, verse 35, 
Jesus and his disciples walk over to the Mount of Olives, to the valley, to, uh, through the valley, to the garden at Gethsemane. And what does he tell them at the garden of Gethsemane? He says this. He says, Father, he says, I have come to fulfill your work. He says, if it were possible for this cup to pass from me, then let it be so. He asks his disciples, his closest friends, stay away, stay, stay awake, and just, just be with me. Have you ever been in a jam where all you wanted to do is have somebody be with you? If you've ever been audited by the Internal Revenue Service, you definitely want your accountant with you, okay? If you've ever gone to a medical appointment that could be di a diagnosis that's pretty severe, it's kind of nice to have somebody with you. And Jesus asked his disciples, please, just stay awake. Just stay with me. That's all I'm asking you to do. It says he went a little farther on and he laid down on the ground. It says his soul was so in anguish that he was to the point of death. He was so concerned that he sweat blood. That is an actual medical diagnosis. That's a medical thing that can happen to someone if they're under a certain amount of stress. You can actually sweat blood. So what happened after that? Well, after that, Judas, of course, came with the temple guards. It was at night. They came and they arrested Jesus Christ and they took him before the Sanhedrin who had met at night and they had met in a court proceeding to try Jesus Christ. And they asked him, they asked Jesus face to face, are you the son of God? Jesus said to them, it is as you say. Meaning, yes, I am the Son of God. If you look at the scriptures, Jesus always kind of stayed, if you will, quiet. He, he tried to stay sort of in the background. He didn't want people to go out and to tell them that he was the Son of God because he had a mission to do. But here, standing before the religious leaders, the very people that should have known who he was, they didn't recognize him. You know what he did? The high priest tore his, his clothes and said, we've heard enough. He is worthy of death. Wow. Jesus is found guilty. Jesus faces Pontius Pilate Pilate finds, finds him innocent. The Jews keep haranguing Pilate and saying, listen, you're no friend to Caesar if you let this guy go. So Pilate comes up with a plan that he thinks is going to work. He brings a convicted criminal, a bad criminal named Barabbas. Barabbas is a very interesting name because you know what that name means? Abba means father, doesn't it? 
Bar means son, son of the father. Barabbas was a son of the father, not a, not a believer. He was a human being, a son of the father. Who was Jesus Christ? He was the only begotten son of God. And he brings these two people, Jesus Christ being beaten up so that the crowd can see him, see them both. And he says, who do you want me to release? I'll release one of them. And the crowd says, release Barabbas and kill, crucify Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 26, 27, excuse me, starting at verse 26, it says this. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. So there wasn't just three or four soldiers. There was tens and tens of soldiers that were going to witness what was going to happen. They stripped him. They put a scarlet robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and they set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand and knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, king of the Jews, they said. They spit on him, took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. After they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him. And then they led him away to be crucified. What was Jesus thinking when he was carrying that cross up to the hill of Golgotha, knowing, knowing that he was going to die. Now, you need to understand something here. There was something that Jesus could not picture at this point. He could not picture sin. Why? He'd never committed one. He didn't know what it was like to be separated from God the Father. He'd never been separated from God the Father before. They had always been one. And he, he did not really know exactly what was going to happen because he had never been there before. Isaiah 53, listen to what it says. This could have been what Jesus was thinking when he was walking and stumbling up to the mountain. Who has believed our message? And to whom has the, the word of the Lord, the arm of the Lord been revealed? He that would be speaking of Jesus grew up before him, God, like a tender shoot and like a root out of dry ground. The Bible speaks of Jesus. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. There was nothing about Jesus Christ physically he was not Fabio. He did not have long blonde hair, blue eyes, and was six foot four. The average Jewish male in this time, the average height of a Jewish male was 5'5". Five five. So even if he was tall, he was maybe 5'7 or 8. He had dark skin, dark hair, dark eyes, just like Jews have. Many Jews have. 
The Bible says, in fact, Judas, who came up and led the, the temple guards to Jesus, had to come up and kiss Jesus to identify him because the temple guards didn't know who he was. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows, yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. Listen to this. He was crushed. Jesus Christ was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each one of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and who can speak of his descendants? Jesus did not have any children. He did not have the, the, the privilege of being married and having a family. But, it says this, For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the tr transgression of my people he was stricken. He was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence nor was any deceit found in his mouth. Yet, it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring. Guess who his offspring are? Yeah, you and me. You're the offspring of the life, the death, the resurrection, the ascension, and the intercession of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You're his offspring. It says this, and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. After the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him a portion among the great, and he will divide the spoils with the, with the strong. Why? Because he poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressor, transgressors for he bore the sin of many and made transgression or intercession for the transgressors. Jesus was put on the cross. And while he was on the cross, Jesus Christ, we know, uttered seven different sayings. Now he might have uttered more than that, but this is what's recorded for us. 
Do you know what the first thing he said? Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. He's nailed to a tree. He's been beaten severely. His back is shredded, just like a pot roast that's been in the, in the, in the oven for a long time. He is suffering. He is uncomfortable. He's been humiliated. And the very first thing he says is, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Talk about one of the most unselfish acts that a person could do is to forgive someone who was, uh, who was in the process of killing him. The second thing that he says on the cross is this. The two thieves that were, cro that were crucified on either side of him began to mock him. This is before he said, Father, forgive them. And they said to him, hey, listen, son of God, if that's who you are, why don't you come down from the cross? Why don't you save yourself? Why don't you save us? And Jesus said, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And you know what that did? That one statement, one statement got to the heart of one thief. And that one thief said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. You're a king. I believe that you're a king. You're, you're on the cross right next to me. But nobody, nobody says forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Nobody does that but a king. And you know what Jesus said? He said, today you'll be with me in paradise. The third thing that Jesus said is that he kept the fourth commandment of honoring his father and mother. He said to John and to his mother, who was standing there at the foot of the cross along with uh, uh, Mary the, from Magdala, he told Mary, he says, Mary, this is now your son. And he so told John, John, this is now your mother. Take care of her. Take care of each other. The fourth thing that he said is found in Mark chapter 15. I'll read it to you. Mark chapter 15. It's in verse 33. He says this. At the sixth hour. This is noon. This is high noon in the desert. Darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour, until three o'clock in the afternoon. From noon to three, it was completely dark. And at the ninth hour, Jesus Christ cried out in a loud voice. He actually screamed this. Now I want you to put your, yourself in this place for just a minute. It's dark. It's pitch black during the middle of the day. You know that Jesus Christ is on the cross. He knows that you're there, but you can't even see each other. And he screams, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My God, speaking to the Father. My God, speaking to the Holy Spirit. 
Why have you forsaken me? You see, it took God three hours to judge all of the sins of the world, including your sins and my sin. Three hours. We go on. When some of those standing near heard this, they said, listen, he's calling Elijah. One man ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a stick and offered it to Jesus to drink. Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to take him down, he said. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. But before his, he breathed his last, he did say something else. After he said... My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? After three o'clock came around and the sins of the world had been judged, he said, it's finished. It's done. Your sins and my sins were judged on the cross of Jesus Christ. God put our sins on him. Sin is no longer the issue. What the issue is, what have you done with Jesus Christ? That's the issue. There will be people standing in front of God that will come in and say, Lord, didn't we do this? Didn't we go to church? Didn't we uh, put money in the offering plate? Didn't we buy Girl Scout cookies? And he will say, I never knew you. Depart from me. The last thing that Jesus Christ said while he was on the cross is he said in Luke chapter 23, I'll read it to you. Luke chapter 23, verse 43. He says this. It was about the sixth hour, 12 noon, Darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour, three o'clock, for the sun had stopped shining and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, the Roman soldier that was standing there seeing what had happened, praised God and said, surely this was a righteous man. When all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw this took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all those who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance watching these things. Jesus Christ did not die from losing blood. He did not die from suffocation. Jesus Christ died from cardiac arrest. His heart was broken. That's what he died from, a broken heart. We go on. In Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 1, it says, On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took spices they had prepared and they went to the tomb of Jesus. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body 
of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that green gleamed like lightning, they were angels, stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee? The Son of Man must be delivered unto the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and the third day be raised again from the dead. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven disciples and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the, the others with them who told this to the apostles. And you'd think that the apostles would say, Wow! Wow, that's awesome! Jesus told us he was going to be risen from the dead. He told us that after he died, he would he would be alive again. This is awesome. Where is he? No, that's not what they said. That's not what they said at all. He said, but they, it says, but they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves. He went away wondering what would happen in Luke chapter 24, starting at verse 36, listen to what happened. So the disciples, they were scared, really scared. And they hunkered together, waiting to see what was going to happen. Waiting to see if the Jewish authorities or the Roman authorities would come and arrest them and kill them. They were worried. It says, while they were still talking about this, Jesus, I'm in verse 36, Luke chapter 24, while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I myself. Touch and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and feet. And while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he asked them, this is like the proof in the pudding, do you have something here to eat? They saw, they felt the nails in his hands. They saw the holes in his feet. They saw the spear wound in his side. And it says they still didn't believe. So he says, how about if I eat with you? Will you believe then? Aren't we a hard-hearted bunch? Gee whiz. I don't know why God loves any of us, to be honest with you. It says they gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence. He said to them, 
this is what I told you when I was with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I am going to send you what my Father has promised. That would be the Holy Spirit. But stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. My friends, Jesus Christ was the first one to be raised from the dead. That's why it says in Corinthians, he is the first fruits. We, okay, as being kind of fruity ourselves, are going to be raised from the dead when we die. And there is a resurrection for the believers and for the unbelievers. The resurrection for the believers is, says in 1 Corinthians, it says that they will be face to face with the Lord. The resurrection for unbelievers is that they will go to be a place, to be at a place where God will not be there. They will be judged and they will be cast into outer darkness forever and ever and ever. Is that fair? Yes, it is fair. Why is it fair? Jesus Christ said, Believe on me, and I will give you eternal life. Pray with me, would you? Dear Father in heaven, please forgive me for my sins. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I believe in Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I want to live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, if you uh, came into church a non-Christian, then I'd like to talk to you after church. I'd like to just, uh, uh, if you will, comfort you that if you prayed that prayer, becoming a Christian is not a hard thing. You know why? Because half of us wouldn't be able to do it. That's why. <laughs> yeah, that's serious. If God did not make salvation available to everyone, then no one would be able to accept it. And salvation is available to everyone. Do I hear a great amen on that one? <laughs> amen. Let's praise God. You got a song for us? Oh, PK's got a song for us. Oh, yes. Awesome. There's the, in your bulletin, there's the words here if you want to sing along.
longer than my song. <laughs> I begged them to let me sing a little song for you today. <laughs> because this is a song that when I had my little church down in Ashland, Joy Chapel, we sang it every Easter. And it, I like it because it kind of captures our relationship with Jesus in just four refrains. So, here it is. Oh, I, I looked up and I saw my Lord coming. Oh, I, I looked up and I saw my Lord coming down the
That was about the most perfect song for the end of Easter, wasn't it? That was awesome. Thank you so much. Hey, listen. Um, if you get the chance, come Wednesday night, study the book of Revelation with us. Uh, we'd love to have you folks come back again. So uh, God bless you. Have a great Sunday Easter, and we'll see you soon.